from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in today. For just the second year, Juneteenth is a federal holiday celebrating the end of slavery in the United States. The Reverend Dean Nelson, a good friend and colleague, says there are good reasons Christians and Republicans should celebrate this newest holiday. He joins me later to explain. And over the weekend, Republicans gathered in Texas for their 2022 convention. And in Texas style, they are not backing down from the left's aggressive agenda. When the radicals on the school board try to teach critical race theory to our kids, when they try to indoctrinate them with lies, Texans have never shrunk for a battle. And it is the men and women in this room who will rise to defend the Lone Star State and will rise to defend the United States of America. That was Texas Senator Ted Cruz speaking to the convention on Saturday. Texas Republicans passed a number of resolutions condemning Joe Biden's CRT and transgender agenda. And they're sending a clear message. They're not backing away from what President Biden said is a battle for America's future. We're in a battle for the very soul of this nation. And that's not hyperbole. We're in a battle for the soul of the nation. When I look around this room here and all you here today, it's a battle I know we will win. That was President Biden last week at a gay pride event in the White House surrounded by children. Our good friend David Barton, a Texan and the president of Wall Builders, joins me in just a moment. Also, all eyes will be on the U.S. Supreme Court tomorrow as the term draws to a close. And there are still 18 cases remaining. Among those cases are cases involving the Dobbs case, the abortion case, Second Amendment issues, religious freedom, immigration and climate change. With the issues of such significance pending, what can we expect and when? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later here on this edition of Washington Watch. And June should be called really Indoctrination Month, as LGBTQ activists are out in full force looking for ways to indoctrinate, or as some have said, groom little children. Uh, we were alerted to a public library in Portsmouth, Ohio, that has uh, that has a recommended reading uh, books. Uh, out on display on sexual intercourse, gender theory, and other LGBTQ issues for children as young as two years old. We'll get the facts from Pastor Brian Davis, who is also a, a Scioto County Commissioner. He joins us later here on Washington Watch. And finally, the topic of artificial intelligence has been making headlines this month after Google, a Google engineer, went public with what he said was evidence that uh, Google's artificial intelligent chatbot generator named uh, Lambda is uh, sentient. And this um, uh, chatbot, according to this engineer, has reached a level of consciousness. Now, is that true? Um, if it hasn't, it's probably just a matter of time. So how should we as Christians be approaching artificial intelligence? I'll be joined by Dr. John Lennox, professor of mathematics at the University of Oxford, Oxford, and an author of the book 2084, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. That's coming up later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And let me again remind you of the new news, online news service, Washington Stand, news and commentary from a biblical perspective. Check it out, WashingtonStand.com. 
Also, uh, keep reminding you, it's primary election season tomorrow. Virginia will hold its statewide primary. D.C. will hold its primary. And uh, three states will be holding primary runoffs, Alabama, Arkansas, and Georgia. So make sure you're prepared and you go out and vote. Now, FRC Action is a part of the iVoter Guide Coalition working to provide voters with important information on where the candidates stand on all of the critical issues. So you can access this. Simply go to frcaction.org and click on Voter Resources. The word for today coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, and it reads as follows. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. A great prayer, asking God to counter the world's description, not let uh, him cause pain, but rather to keep him from causing pain by directing him and blessing him so that his influence would expand, something we could pray as well. To join the Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. And finally, on Washington Watch, we discuss the challenges facing your family and our nation as the radical left pushes their agenda throughout society. But we also share a message of hope because we believe that we, uh, when we engage as Christians together to pray, to vote, and to stand, we can change the course of our nation. So the question is, would you like to partner with us today to reach more concerned Americans with this critical message? Now, FRC and Washington Watch, we're only here in our nation's capital and across this country because of folks like you that stand with us as partners. Now, FRC's fiscal year end is fast approaching on June 30th, and your generous gift today will ensure that we are fully resourced and be able to continue to equip believers in advancing biblical values from coast to coast. So now's the time to take a stand with us. Give us a call, 800-225-4008. I've got uh, team members standing by to take your call. Again, that's 800-225-4008, or visit TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, the Republican Party in Texas officially adopted its platform over the weekend in its convention in Houston, and it has the left all worked up. Here to talk about it is David Barton, president and founder of Wall Builders, who was there. David, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Good to be back with you. All right. A lot of discussion in the media about uh, the Republicans there gathering in Texas and in, in, uh, passing a platform that is consistent, actually, with what they've passed in the past, but sending a strong message to the left that they're not backing up. No, and I'm backing up. You know, I feel a lot like Elon Musk when he talked about how he used to be left to center. Now, I wasn't ever left to center. But he said the leftist drug, everything so far to the left that now being left to center puts you on the right of center. And, and so the very issues we're discussing, like marriage, it was only seven years ago the U.S. Supreme Court said, hey, those 31 marriage amendments in the state, they all go away. We're, we're not going to do this as, as male and female traditional nuclear family. That's only seven years ago. And so here Republicans are in Texas saying, hey, we still believe in that traditional family. We still believe in male and female. We still believe in traditional genders. And it's like the media, it's like we've been out of touch for 100 years, you know. It's, it's, they they seem, seem to forget what we all believed as Americans just a few years ago. I don't think they've forgotten. I think they're oh, trying to they're, they're trying to help others forget or at least cover that's it up right. because you're absolutely right. 
They and, and it's been interesting to watch the headlines uh, since the weekend, calling Texan uh, Texas Republicans regressive. Uh, because, as you said, they haven't changed in their positions on these key fundamental issues. I mean, I think the reality is, as you said, the left is dragging, and I would say dragging, I think they are lurching to the left in such rapid, at such a rapid pace that if, if, you, if you don't run behind them catching up or you don't give in to, to what they're pushing, you're the problem. Yeah, you know, Tony, there, it's interesting. There's a, a, a big dichotomy going on, and I think I know where it's going to end. Um, but it goes back even three, four, five, six, seven years ago, Jack Phillips and others, where that there were individuals who said, look, I don't want to participate in the LGBTQ agenda. I, here's what I believe. I'm not fighting you guys, but I don't want to participate in what y'all are doing. And they said, oh, yes, you're going to bake cakes for us. You're going to take photographs for us. You're going to do a website for us or whatever. And they said, look, my faith won't let me do that. And so what we found at that time was we had a case that went all the way to Supreme Court. And as part of that, we did polling here a couple of years ago. And most Americans said, look, why don't you two sides just get along? You know, let's not have a fight over it. And we said, okay, agreed. But if one side has to win, what's it going to come down? And we found that about 86% of Americans said, look, if, if it ever gets to the point where that LGBTQ is forcing traditional values people to conform to their beliefs, 86% of the people said that's wrong. We'll, we'll be on the side of the faith people if that happens. And that's what we're seeing right now is they have pushed it so far that now we have to affirm everything they believe. We have to say what they want said. We can't have a difference of opinion. Um, fortunately, the U.S. Supreme Court has picked up a case for next year that deals with this very issue. Can people of faith be forced to conform to what LGBTQ agenda wants? And it, actually, it's LGBTQIA plus agenda. I, I'm a year behind on, on catching up with terminology. But most Americans are not at that position. And so while the media and, and, and big tech and all those guys are making a loud noise over this, that's not where most Americans are. That's just where all the noise is right now. Most Americans are still on the side of favoring religious people who have convictions that can't go along with that LGBTQIA plus agenda. David, let me ask you, this. my observation in watching, and I don't watch it closely, but I watched the headlines, read a few of the articles coming out of uh, the convention that you were at this weekend. My sense is, of course, I think the reason the left is mad is because Texans and other conservatives haven't given in and just gone silent, which is ultimately what they want. That's why they marginalize calling homophobic and all these other things. They want you to go silent. But is it um, that actually conservatives, as you said, tired of being pushed around, now seeing what this agenda is really all about, are more resolute in standing for these core value issues than they have been in the past? I think there's a real problem going on here, and that is that we've seen, you know, even with Elon Musk, as he's starting to talk about doing things on Twitter, uh, that it's driving the left crazy, that they're, you know, we're losing our ability to have just one voice. We don't want Twitter to have two sides of the opinion. And so what you're seeing is a lot of conservatives who feel like they have been shut out of any debate, any discussion. When they try to sound off, their, their opinions are not respected or listened to. They're attacked. They're vilified. And it's not just their opinions. They're vilified as being evil themselves for holding that opinion. I think that that is starting to produce a bad effect in America and that we're becoming so polarized, we can't have discussions. We, we can't talk about the merits of ideas. We can't look at consequences. We can't look at fruit. You have to conform now to what the pressure is. And this is where you're seeing a lot more pushback. And, and there are people now who are starting to stand up. We've seen it now for two and a half years at school boards. 
uh, started back in Loudoun County, Fairfax County. You're teaching our kids what? You did what to my yeah. daughter? Grooming how? And so parents are not be given a voice. And when parents started speaking out on that, here came the Justice Department saying, oh, you're a domestic terrorist. We're setting up a department to look at people who speak up at school board meetings. That's the kind of stuff the left is doing that is causing right. a lot more people to get a lot more backbone and, quite, quite frankly, uh, a lot more serious and a lot more dedicated in their backbone. And they're just a lot less willing to go along with being shoved around. And I don't think that's really a good thing for America. I think it's a lot better when we can have discussions. But you know what? What's happening right now is the left not allowing discussions, not allowing a second opinion, not allowing those voices on, on big tech or anything else. And so you get to the point where 9,000 delegates in Texas who represent the heart of, of grassroots in Texas, which is a very red state, they've said, look, we're just not going to be pushed around in this anymore. Here's what we believe, and this is where we're standing. And I think that kind of courage is good. But it's just unfortunate that we have to see it the way we saw it now and the attacks that are happening just because those people believe what everybody has believed in America, basically, for 200 years. Right. But I do think it's good that they're doing it through the process and they're, they're advancing these agendas in a legitimate way. And this shows you how out of touch the left is in terms of what America is about, about having that conversation. It's not that the conservatives don't want to have that debate or that conversation. It's the left that wants to shut down any competing thought. David, we're out of time. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today here on Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Tony. Bless you. You know, Dave is absolutely right. Uh, people, I think, are, it's, this is something we've seen for a decade, but I think others now are beginning to realize just how the left wants to bully everyone into silence. And they're saying, hey, wait, we can't have this. All right, don't go away. On the other side of the break, Reverend Dean Nelson joins us to talk about Juneteenth. That's next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God. And he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, today is the second national observance of Juneteenth as a federal holiday following last year's signing of the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act into law. It was on June 19, 1865, when Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, announcing to the people of the state that in in accordance with the Emancipation Proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln, all slaves were free. And while our nation today may be divided more than ever over many issues, there are good reasons for Americans on both sides of the aisle to celebrate our newest national holiday, as my next guest will share. Joining me now to talk about Juneteenth is the Reverend Dean Nelson. He is a senior fellow for African-American affairs here at the Family Research Council and chairman of the Douglas Leadership Institute. Uh, Dean, welcome back to the program. Great to be on, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. All right. I I briefly gave some background on the holiday, but uh, can can you expand on it for us? Yeah. uh, And, uh, you know, there are a lot of Americans who were unfamiliar with Juneteenth. Uh, I think it was probably a decade ago that I first learned about it. But quite simply, uh, after the, uh, the Civil War had ended, after the Emancipation Proclamation had been declared, there were still uh, some people, African-Americans in Galveston, Texas, that did not know that they were free. And so there was an order uh, by President uh, Lincoln that uh, was directed uh, by uh, General Granger there to let all of those who were enslaved at that time to know that they were essentially now free. And um, there was a great celebration, jubilation from those uh, who were enslaved formerly, and uh, they basically set up from that time period forward uh, a great celebration, sometimes referred to as Freedom Day, sometimes referred to as Jubilee Day. But the idea was was that uh, the idea from 1776 forward, uh, from July 4th, that this idea that all Americans now could really be declared free because there was the end officially of slavery, even in areas that people did not understand that they were free. 
Now, you wrote uh, about this over the weekend in an opinion piece that was in World Opinions, and it was signed into law last year uh, post-George uh, Floyd, and so it was kind of wrapped up in uh, you know, a lot of uh, the, the stuff that had happened before. And so I think there's some people looking at this in a different uh, light than I think they should. You say in this piece, and, and, I, and I want you to, to uh, expound upon this, there are good reasons for Christians and Republicans to celebrate our, new, our newest national holiday. Explain that. Yeah, so number one, um, so appreciate the work that Faith and Freedom has done, uh, excuse me, that um, you have done, uh, particularly through Family Research Council on this areas of faith and freedom. Um, Christians uh, should understand fundamentally that the Civil War and the end of slavery would not have occurred if there were not people of faith, particularly Christian abolitionists who were involved. And as a result, the Republican Party was founded in the state of of Texas by black and white Christians. And this idea of jubilee and freedom was celebrated it was a uniquely christian idea the idea that jubilee the end of 50 years of uh, of debts being um you know um uh, paid off the idea that people who were in indentured servants were now free so i think that it is uniquely a christian ideal and from that point forward uh it was abraham lincoln who signed you know the emancipation proclamation and made this possible. So I think that sometimes we need as Christians and as conservatives, in this case, Republicans, to be reminded of our own history. For too often, we have had the left, progressives, and even Democrats that have kind of taken uh, credit for the things that uh, conservatives and Christians and Republicans have done in years gone by. Yeah, that's good. Uh, let me get, let me let me jump ahead here because is there a? I'm going to ask you this because I know I, I mean I've known you for a long time and I know you're involved in a lot of issues. Another issue that is very near and dear to you is the issue of sanctity of human life. And here we're approaching the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and could be tomorrow. We're waiting for a court decision that could actually overturn Roe and Casey. I mean, significance here that we're finally as a nation celebrating Jubilee Day, Freedom Day for uh, the slaves, and we could very well be seeing a a, a Jubilee for the unborn. Tony, thank you for bringing that up. I I agree that there is a great connection uh, that we should identify with uh, this idea of Juneteenth and celebrating Jubilee um, with the idea that we may ultimately see uh, the undoing of Roe versus Wade all at the same time. I know that you and FRC has done a great job uh, over the last several years engaging, particularly with the Church of God in Christ, who is a major African-American denomination, is taking a very strong stand on the sanctity of human life. And I think that we have a huge opportunity like we've never had before if it, this is overturned and that we have uh, states that will now be able to limit uh, abortions, we have a huge opportunity for the church to step in and demonstrate uh, who we are and our commitment to the sanctity of human life, as well as serving uh, women who find themselves in these difficult circumstances. The uh, demand for abortion is not going to immediately change, even if laws do. And I think that we have a huge opportunity as the church to step in to really be the church uh, to, uh, to this nation. Yeah, I think the work uh, just begins. It's not time to uh, raise our hands and celebrate. It's time to roll up our sleeves 
and go to work serving even more. Uh, Dean Nelson, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, writing this piece and coming on today to talk about uh, this important holiday and why we should all be celebrating it. Tony, thank you so much for your strong voice on these moral issues and uh, trying to be a bridge within our community. God bless you. All right. See you soon. Dean Nelson, to find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, the Supreme Court could, could be tomorrow that they hand down the Dobbs case. Still, uh, 19, 18 cases still pending before the court, among them uh, gun control issues, religious liberty issues, um, climate issues. So, I mean, it's next couple of weeks as the court releases these final opinions. It's going to be a lot of activity. And we'll be talking about it as it happens. All right, coming up, Pride Month means uh, means indoctrination. Um, the left is pushing their ideology everywhere. But what is most offensive is how they're targeting children of the youngest ages. We'll talk about uh, the pushback in one community over the what they call grooming that's taking place in the public library. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy in the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday afternoon website, TonyPerkins.com. If you would like to partner with us as we come toward the end of our fiscal year, this program is made available because of folks like you across this country who partner with us. If you'd like to partner with us, give us a call. We've got some team members standing by to take your call. 
for your financial pledge, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008, or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. Members of a local community in Portsmouth, Ohio, are raising concerns over an LGBTQ pride display in the children's section of a public library. Like many of the pride displays that have popped up across the nation, the display at the Portsmouth Public Library's main branch includes books that are, frankly, not age-appropriate. I don't think they're appropriate, period. And they push a radical LGBTQ ideology on children as young as two. Well, those concerns will be voiced during tomorrow's monthly open to the public meeting of the library library's board of trustees. Joining me now to talk about this is Pastor Brian Davis, who serves as actually a commissioner for Scioto County, where Portsmouth is located. Uh, Pastor uh, Brian, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you having me on today to discuss what's going on in uh, Portsmouth. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. You've seen these books. Uh, what kind of material are we talking about? Well, we're talking about obvious grooming. Uh, there's no doubt that there's a, a, an attempt to indoctrinate um, the youngest of our children in our community. Um, of course, this is happening all across the United States. We're hearing about this not only in our public libraries, but also our libraries in our schools and elsewhere. And it was very unfortunate uh, when this was brought to my attention a week ago uh, today, a matter of fact, a week ago today, that uh, these books had appeared in our local library. Um, and these books have very graphic images in them. They talk about uh, very sexually explicit things that really children, uh, the ages that are being recommended for these books have no business knowing about as your viewers are seen there. Um, these are things that, that, that of course, uh, to discuss with young children, impressionable children are not something that our community wants. Uh, it's not something that we've been asked about or been told to, to do. And this is a public library supported by a levy uh, that has been voted on by the voters of this county. And uh, as a county commissioner, but not just as a county commissioner, but more importantly, as a pastor, a father, and a grandfather, I can tell you that these are things that I don't want my grandchildren indoctrinated on. I want to be able to do that in my home, my own home, in my children's homes. Right. I mean, you need to be able to teach your kids as you want to, not having them indoctrinated at these young ages. I just, one of the books, uh, just, it's called, it's the title of it is A First Conversation About Gender. It's listed by the publisher as being appropriate for children ages two to five years old. The book includes a discussion of gender theory, gender pronouns, genitalia, uh, feminism, and restroom equality. The book states that, quote, some people are girls, some people are boys, some people are neither, some people are both. It also states it's okay to wonder, am I a girl, am I a boy, am I both, am I neither? I mean, this is poisoning the minds of the youngest children who, who shouldn't even be thinking about these things. They should be thinking about tying their shoes and learning their ABCs. Yeah, Tony, and that's, that's so true. And, and unfortunately, there is a segment of our population out there that believes that by indoctrinating these children, these impressionable young minds at a very, very young age, uh, that they feel like that's okay and that they feel like that they should be the ones to do that. And uh, I, I think it's, it's 
It's their way of driving toward acceptance. I think it's something that they feel they need to do in order to have more numbers and that they think that if they can reach these young children young enough that they can literally direct them in the direction that they want them to go and not necessarily right. one direction that, that God wants them to have and, 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 and for them to be able to fulfill God's will in their life. Uh, fully and and really and w- we are dealing with a spiritual battle here here um, very yeah. much so and that there are individuals that um, are are fighting to get this indoctrination done this um, all, all, what you're seeing it's it's grooming at its fullest um, at a very young age and they're arguing that they're helping them find themselves well I can tell you at two years old no child really knows themselves really well okay right. so. Uh, like you said, th- these children need to be given the opportunity to to grow, and they need to be given the opportunity to to live their lives, their young lives, and not to be confused, not to not to have this confusion introduced into their lives at such a young age. And and yeah. and unfortunately, there are people out there that think that this is okay. Right. So uh, very quickly, we're almost out of time, uh, Pastor Brian. But uh, tomorrow, do you expect a, 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 a good turnout at this uh, board meeting? And, and what are you hearing from uh, your constituents and from those in your church? I can tell you, I, it has been overwhelming. The, the citizens of this county are very upset about this. They are shocked. They are appalled. They are surprised. And, and they really cannot believe this has happened here. Uh, we are a rural community, and unfortunately, there is a very small segment of individuals that are driving this, mostly employees within the library system. The board itself, uh, the ones I've talked to, said they had no idea this was going on. But I will say that this uh, began during the COVID crisis, during the time when really no one was there to see and be held accountable. And this has been happening now. This is the third year. And it's just now been caught. So it's very much a very sneaky yeah. proposition that they brought forth. But I will tell you, there's going to be a lot of people there. There will be people from both sides of the equation. There will be people arguing both ways. But I will tell you, it comes down to really uh, morals and also what does our our community want? Our community is very yeah. faith-based, and there's a lot of people that are questioning this. And again, the library system is financially supported by the people of this community. And the people are Brian, we got, we're going to have to leave it there, but we will track it and we'll report on it tomorrow. Folks, stick with us. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. 
So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text S-T-A-N-D to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make the difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. FRC is coming up on the end of our fiscal year, and I want to invite you to partner with us in encouraging Christians to pray, to vote, and to stand for biblical truth. Help us finish our fiscal year strong and prepare to face the challenges that are ahead and seize the opportunities that I think we're going to face in the months ahead. Give us a call. I've got folks standing by to take your call. 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can visit TonyPerkins.com. The end of our fiscal year is June 30th. So we've got uh, just a little over uh, two weeks. So uh, just about two weeks. So I encourage you to, uh, to partner with us. We need your help. This program only comes to you because of folks like you across the country partnering with the Family Research Council. The topic of artificial intelligence has been making some headlines this month after a Google engineer went public with evidence that he had presented to the big tech company suggesting the possibility that Google's artificial intelligent uh, chat bot generator named Lambda uh, was had reached this level of consciousness. Um, kind of interesting. Now, Google executives uh, reportedly had looked into the engineer's claim and dismissed it. Then two weeks ago, the engineer was placed on administrative leave for violating its confidentiality policy. He reportedly spoke with a member of the House Judiciary Committee. Also, he invited a lawyer to represent uh, Lambda. Now, the paper that he shared with top executives back in April is on the website for all to see. Now, the question is, what is the state of artificial intelligence right now? What's the future? And frankly, why does it matter? 
And that's the focus of our conversation with my next guest, Dr. John Lennox. He's professor of mathematics at the University of Oxford, Oxford and the author of the book, 2084, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. Dr. Lennox, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you very much. Delighted to be in Washington with you today. Let me start, uh, Dr. Lennox, if I can, with just some definitions first, um, so we can kind of set the framework for our conversation. Number one, what is artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence comes in two distinct forms. One is what's working right now, and we call that narrow AI. And it's basically a system uh, consisting of a computer, a large database, and an algorithm that recognizes patterns that does one thing and one thing only that normally requires human intelligence. Like, for example, you take the database with half a million x-rays of people's lungs labeled by experts with their diseases, then they take an x-ray of my lungs, and the system compares the picture of my lungs with a half million in the database, and it gives me a diagnosis. That is the kind of thing that's up and running, and we have it all in our smartphones. The Amazon pops up, you buy a book, and then it will look in the database of your uh, books that you bought and suggest out of its database a new book. So there are lots of things uh, running, um, surveillance technologies, facial recognition. And, of course, the more complex they become, the more they raise ethical problems. The second kind of artificial intelligence is the much more speculative kind that we're nowhere near yet. And that's usually called artificial general intelligence, where the idea is of having a system based on a computer and so on that does everything a human being can do and do it better and do it faster and do more of it. And that leads to a great deal of speculation about the creation of superintelligences and the rest. So with this... Um uh, revelation out of uh, Google or this this uh, I want to say revelation, maybe this report out of Google that this uh, uh, Lambda is uh, sentient, that it has this separate consciousness consciousness is is this uh, what, what do you make of this? Well, I make of it that we can certainly create machines that uh, will respond in such a way that we think they're human and they appear to pass the so-called Turing test. But uh, the I'm very skeptical about the claim for several reasons. The first is no one knows what consciousness is. But we do know enough about the way in which the brain functions to realize that uh, consciousness cannot be reduced to machinery. So no... Um, machine computer can reproduce anything like consciousness. This has been shown in a huge book that is a landmark book published just a few months ago by Dr. Ian McGilchrist called The Matter with Things. And he points out that the we've concentrated a lot on the left side of the brain and reduced things to uh, machinery and so on when we've neglected the right side of the brain which understands meaning and is associated closely with uh, that aspect 
and it cannot be reduced to machinery. So I, I think the science actually goes to show that the idea that this actual Lambda situation was sentient is wrong and that the engineers who say it's wrong and many other experts are, are perfectly right. We're nowhere near it. So that takes me to the next uh, term I'd like to define for our viewers and our listeners is, is transhumanism. What, what does that mean? Transhumanism is an idea that's... <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of um, research on it uh, based here in Oxford in the institute that discusses the, the future uh, run by Professor Nick Bostrom. And the idea basically is to produce a super intelligence that goes beyond the human, hence transhuman. And uh, there are two avenues here. The first are the people that say, look, we can enhance existing human beings and we can turn them into superhumans. That's the agenda of the best-selling author Yuval Noah Harari, an Israeli historian, who reckons that in the 21st century we're going to conquer the problem of physical death so that you won't have to die, and that we're going to enhance human happiness by genetic engineering, by implants of technology so that we will, to quote him, turn the humans into uh, Greek-type gods and superhumans. The other idea is to scrap the biological side because biology ages, as we know, and try to create a superintelligence based on uh, silicon or something much more durable than organic material so that the hope is that one day we'll upload the contents of our brains into that and have eternal superintelligences. Now, these things are highly speculative, and <laughs> they raise all kinds of questions for me as a Christian. Right. In, in fact, that's where I want to go next. Now that we've kind of defined these terms... There's a lot of concern surrounding this whole conversation about artificial intelligence, both the narrow and the general, in the world of ethics and the boundaries. So, so one, more, one more definition, which I think is fundamental to our conversation here, and as you've laid out what is uh, speculative about the future, is what does it mean to be human? Yeah, that's hugely important. And you see, what... I believe it means to be human is the transcendent dimension that human beings are dignified with infinite value because they're made in the image of God. And that's talking about existing humans. So that immediately puts up barriers in my mind when it comes to the idea that some people have not only of enhancing um, our abilities, like I'm wearing glasses now, that's an enhancement, but of fundamentally changing the specification of human beings by modifying their germline. I think that's an exceedingly dangerous thing. And C.S. Lewis long ago saw that what would be produced by that kind of technology would not be a free being, but would be an artifact that is held in thrall to the scientists that originally designed its program. Uh, and therefore, from a Christian perspective, I think we have a message to project into this scenario 
think of those two agenda items of Harari, the conquering of physical death and enhancing human happiness by turning humans into gods. That strikes me as attractive to people because it's a fundamental, uh, it is essentially a parody of what Christianity genuinely offers and for which there's much Mm. more evidence. When I meet transhumanists and they offer me their program, I often say to them, you're too late, and they're puzzled. (laughs) They said, what do you mean? Well, I say, 20 centuries ago, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and thereby conquered the problem of physical death. So that's already been done. You're too late. And secondly, the wonder of the Christian message is that God offers everybody who trusts Christ a new life that actually is eternal and immortal. So the problem of immortality has already been solved. The thing is, though, we're not going to reach it without facing the basic problem that we as humans are flawed. There is such a thing as sin. We've made a mess of our own lives and the lives of others may be. Uh, And therefore, the message involves a radical change of attitude towards what we've done wrong. And uh, it's called repentance. But the tremendous message, to my mind, in this age of artificial intelligence to give us real hope because some of the AI scenarios are pretty grim, as you probably know, is that there is a way to ensure immortality. And Christ has promised those who trust him that he will return and raise them from the dead as just as he was raised from the dead. And that is, if I might say so, the most wonderful upload conceivable. Of course, it should not surprise us, Dr. Lennox. Uh, Satan has always had a counterfeit to what God has provided. And I think this is leading a lot of people astray to go down this path. But uh, I think think you're absolutely right. I think as Christians, we need to understand this. We need to speak into it. There are some very positive uh, applications uh, of this. As you said, uh, we, we use them every day. But where it's going is something I think we need to be very aware of and speaking into. And and uh, this uh, gentleman at Google, Blake Lemoyne, was working with Google's responsible AI organization. And there's a lot of discussion around, as I mentioned a moment ago, around artificial intelligence and ethics. And, and here's my question for you, Dr. Lennox, is that, in this age of post-modernity, where there really is no right and wrong, there's no transcendent truth that's recognized, what will be the foundation for the ethical framework at which they will pursue this artificial intelligence? That's a central question. And, of course, people with no uh, moral framework find it very difficult to answer that question. But I would point out that... As you look around the world, in every tradition, in every worldview, we find, again, as Lewis pointed out in 1940 in his book, The Abolition of Man, there is a common core. It is the fact that the vast majority of people believe in certain absolute moral standards, like torturing infants is wrong. And we can start there. And uh, we can see even practically in our own society, the consequence of telling lies or falsifying description of what we produce in our factories in the end leads to disaster. 
And at least we can agree on those things. And of course, when we look at them, we find that most of them are contained in the moral law that's not only written in our conscience, but is expanded in scripture. And I think it's hugely important to come back to that. It's very interesting that one of your most distinguished AI researchers in the U.S., Professor Rosalind Pickard of MIT, gave a magnificent lecture in Oxford a couple of weeks ago where she said that as as we look at these questions, one thing that needs to be brought back into focus is the concept of imago dei, that human beings are the image of God. And she regards that as the missing factor. And I agree with her wholeheartedly, which is why I am emphasizing more and more these days and in my books in 2084 in particular, this hugely important concept that humans are made in the image of God. Jordan Peterson not long ago gave a lecture on Genesis. And when he came across the statement, uh, let us make human beings in our own image, he stopped and he said, that is the foundation of all value. And we ignore it to our peril. I think he's exactly right. And once we let go of that, then we end up in a relativist morass where there's huge danger of truth and morality being replaced simply by power. All the more reason Christians need to know what they believe, why they believe it, and make those beliefs known. Uh, We live in an age where those... uh, those boundaries for society, the moral law, the natural law written on the hearts of men is absolutely essential. We must teach, remind, and uphold those truths. Dr. Lennox, I want to thank you for joining us. Fascinating conversation. I uh, hope to visit with you uh, again. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, you can find out more about his book. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Fascinating uh, book. I've downloaded it. I'm going to be reading it myself. A fascinating conversation. All right, folks, again, you can give us a call and partner with us, 800-225-4008, or visit TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 